back uh, this weekend. I was, uh, uh, well, I wasn't off last weekend, but we had Brenda sharing. I was grateful for that. Uh, really, really grateful to have her. Uh, about a month ago, uh, we, we shared about what it, what it means to live and, and how to live during a lockdown. I want to continue to remind that. There's things you need to monitor when you're in this lockdown living. Uh, number one, to monitor your relationships. Stay connected to other people. I know in the isolation, there's that, that thing of all the distancing, but find ways to stay connected. Maybe it's through the small group services here. Uh, maybe it's uh, via the uh, phone, but stay, stay connected. Monitor those relationships. You know, if you haven't heard from some of your friends, uh, shoot them a text. Find out how they're doing. Monitor what's coming into your life. Uh, we got to filter filter through all the stuff that's coming in because not all of it's true and not all of it's good for us, uh, that we would filter out lies and that we would seek truth and then filter what's coming out of your life or monitor what's coming out of your life uh, because it says it's, it's what's going on in your heart is what comes out in your words and in your actions and that we would speak life and we would speak the truth in love and, and I'm continually reminded of that because it's not always the case for me and realizing that, God, I need you to, I need you to, here's my heart again. God, go, go to work, and he always wants to. And, and I hope that as we're listening today, that that's where your heart would be as well, open to him. Uh, and again, last week, as Brenda shared, just about hearing the voice of God, I was grateful for so many of you who responded and said, thank you, this is exactly what I needed. And you, and you shared what was, uh, how God was actually speaking to you last week and how you're learning to hear his voice. And she mentioned something. She said, you know, it's something that we need in a time like this. It's something we need in a time like this. I thought, what is the time like this? What is the time that we live in? And I realized that, and maybe you're aware of it too, we live in a, in a day and age of instant messaging, where if you want something, you know, it's, it's, instantly, it's instantly there. And I'm not sure when all that began, but like for me, it all began with AOL, uh, America Online. And you hear that, and then it would, ding, you've got mail. It was always like I, every day when I went to work, I would be the first thing I'd, I'd want to check to see, did, did, I get, did I get mail? It was, that first, it was the beginning of notifications uh, in my life. And, and now I'm like trying to turn them off because every text, you know, you've been scheduled for pro presenter. You are the speaker for Saturday night. I'm like, I know that already. And it's like, ding, you know, here's an email. Ding, here's a messenger message. Ding, here's a, you know, a video somebody wants you to see. I'm like, Ah, you can never, like, there's just notification after notification after notification, and it doesn't care what you're doing at that moment. It's like, I'm just going to interrupt you with, with what I want you to, to know, and everything's on demand now. You can have everything when, when you want it, you know, movies, songs, games, even church. You can have church whenever you want it right now. So for those of you who are listening Tuesday afternoon in your car, hey, <laughs> you've chosen to have church whenever you wanted to. But I wonder if that's the way God speaks to us. Yeah, I wonder if that's how God's typical, typical way of just kind of interrupting your life. You know, it's like knock, knock. Who's there? Yeah, interrupting God. No, stop. I got something for you. And I don't care what you're doing. You better listen to me right now. And you better do what I tell you to do. You know, I wonder if, that, if, that's, if that's how God speaks. And for some of you, like, yeah, I kind of wish that was the way it would happen. But then I thought about, you know, how, how I've often sensed God speaking in my life. And it's much more like the radio. Do you remember what the radio was like? Not, not, not where you can just, you know, carry it around in your pocket and, 
in here, but I mean like old school where you actually had to be in the same room as the radio you wanted to listen to or in the car. And then you had to actually turn it on. It wasn't just always going. It didn't just start. You, you would turn it on. You couldn't say like, hey, Siri, and then it would all of a sudden, you know, play my favorite song or hey, Alexa. You, you actually had to go and you had to, you had to turn it on. Then you had to wait patiently in the hope that they would play your song. You know, you'd listen to your favorite station. You'd go to a station so that you might hear that song and you'd listen. You would be in that, that mode of listening. I remember, I remember back when I was working in the greenhouse, they would have these call-in shows on the country, the new country music station. That was new country for like 15 years. I'm like, how is it still new? You know, but they, they had the, the call-in shows where you could win a, a Charlie Major CD. They were giving away one every minute. And I was like, man, trying to call in on real telephones. You know, the, the, the dial was way back, you know, waxing a little nostalgic. But do you remember what it was like to have to be sort of secluded to that spot? You know, I think, um, I think we, we, what Brenda said about us needing to hear his voice in a time like this is underrated. It's not just a want. It's an actual need that we need to hear his truth for these days. We need to hear his heart for the world and for those around us. Like we just sang about God, fill us with your love and fill us with your heart for those around us. But the question that I wanted to ask in, 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 um, response to that is, are we actually listening for the, his voice? Are we truly listening to hear his voice? That it wouldn't be something we just hear, you know, on the, on the message on the Sunday or whatever, whatever favorite preacher we find, that we, that's when we're listening. But are we in, a, in, in this attitude of listening? And I didn't know what to call tonight's message, so we're actually going to have a little competition for the Saturday night crowd. You guys get something that the others don't. The, those who are tuning in live, um, I want by the end of tonight, if you can come up with a clever title for this, to just send that either in the, in the live chat on the side or just a post, send, that, send it to me in a text, and then check it out tomorrow to see if you win. All right? So, but let's just jump right in tonight to the content. You know, we live in a time where things are changing rapidly. I, I, I'm amazed at how much has changed in a year. Not just, not just logistically, but the, but the way people respond, the way um, humanity operates, the way things uh, uh, have changed, and the amount of fear that, that is in our, in our world today, how that just seemed to spike. Uh, there's uh, the, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, but the fear of change is this fear that just seems to be uh, on, on people. Some are afraid like of the, of the virus. Some are afraid of the variants. Some are afraid that the government's going to, you know, they're afraid of their government. Some are afraid of, you know, of losing freedoms. Some are just, af- just afraid of the unknown. And some are just afraid of the change. We just want it to go back to normal. You know, Brenda was saying last week that, that God wants to speak to his um, people individually. You know, not that it would just be through somebody else that you would hear God's voice and that, that we need to hear his voice in times like this. Because when you're scared, you know, when you find yourself in those places, I'm not going to be there. You know, you know, your favorite pastor, maybe you can go and find him on, on YouTube, but he, he's not going to be there. But you know who is? Your heavenly father. And it's, in, it's imperative that we understand how to hear his voice. And I, and I had this thought this week. You know that we as Kingsway, we need to be able to hear his voice because you may not always be able to hear mine. We need to be able to hear his voice because you may not always be able to hear mine. I don't know if you're aware of this, but man, we live in a time right now of widespread censorship. Widespread censorship. You know, the mainstream media has been spinning the data 
to fit their agendas and their, and their narratives for the last year. And, and long before that, we're just seeing it much more clearly now. The social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter and YouTube are just outright blocking and censoring uh, posts and posters who have different opinions than, uh, than what they, they aspire to. You know, it used to be, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. That no longer is the case. You're entitled to your opinion as long as it's the same opinion that I have. Otherwise, forget it. You know, there's the, <laughs> it used to be that there was absolute truth. And we migrated from that to say, well, there's no absolute truth. And maybe you've heard people say this. You can have your truth and, and I have mine. Or I have my truth and you have your truth. Let's just, let's just be okay with that. But it's not even that anymore. That has so quickly migrated to this now where it's, yeah, you can, <laughs> you know, you can have your truth as long as it doesn't go against my truth. You can have your truth as long as it doesn't go against my truth. You know, that's the sayings like, hey, it's okay as long as it's not hurting anybody is no longer the case. Now it's, it's, it's okay as long as it's not hurting anybody that I don't want to get hurt. It doesn't really matter if it's hurting other people as long as it's not hurting the people that I don't want to get hurt. We see that in this, in this dichotomy surrounding the lockdowns. We, that's the things we see it just in our regular lives where we see, you know, lockdowns hurt people. You know, the, the business owners, the families, children, you know, parents. And there's, that, there's a side that says, yeah, I know, but COVID kills people. And I would say, well, so does suicide. You know, that these sides that say, well, it's got to be this way and, and, and we'll censor or whatever, anybody who disagrees. But how do we better protect both? You know, I think of things where they say, you know, <laughs> Uh, abortion's okay, not realizing that it hurts women and it more than hurts babies. That euthanasia, it's okay, not realizing that it, it more than hurts the elderly and seniors. And it's not that it's just okay, it's, it's that our country is making these things law. <laughs> that they'll be the law of the land, not that it's just okay anymore, but that is, that is now how we will operate as a country. I don't know if you've noticed this, the whole message around tolerance. You know, that tolerance is now this lauded virtue rather than just a value that it should be. It's almost become this thing that's virtuous to have. But, but, but is it tolerance? Is it tolerance when those who are intolerant demand, or they're intolerant of you, they demand that you be tolerant of them? Have you seen some of that? Have you seen some of that where it's like, you know, um, you should tolerate my opinion, but, uh, but I don't tolerate yours. That, that virtue of tolerance, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. You know, this, this week, Focus on the Family, a Christian organization from the States, they have this thing called the Daily Citizen. It's their, it's their publication that they post on social media, and it was banned on Twitter because they said they made the following statement uh, rega- regarding Biden's newly appointed Secretary of Health. It's Dr. Levine. And they just said simply, Dr. Levine is a transgender woman. That is a man who believes he is a woman. That's all they said. Simply a science-based definition for the reader, but it was declared to be hate speech according to Twitter, and they've been blocked and banned. They asked and said, hey, what what did we say in that that was hate speech? Because others have have said the exact same things, gave them the same definition, but it didn't matter what was said. It mattered who said it, and thus it was hate speech. Have you noticed that disagreement is no longer disagreement? We talked about this a while ago, that we can, either, we've lost the ability to agree to disagree, that we may have different, different things we, um, that we disagree about, but we can still stay connected around things that are central. That, that's changed. That disagreement is now labeled as, as hate. 
or it's even assumed that if you disagree, you must hate me. But that's not truth, and it shouldn't be truth. You know, and I, I ask these things because it almost feels like now that disagreement needs to be censored. Disagreement needs to be stopped. So what happens? And this is why I ask this. What happens as a church when your favorite online church gets censored or gets blocked? What happens then? You know, what happens if the Bible is going to be declared as hate speech, a book of hate speech? They're banning all kinds of books for, you know, old classics for things that are written in them because they they no longer are are up to um, code with our current culture. It doesn't mean that they were wrong. They just hate speech. You know, what, what, what happens? And what's, what, what would you do if that happened? And we're like, well, that can't happen in Canada. <laughs> and I'm hoping that it doesn't happen. And I'm not saying that it's going to happen. But my question is this. If it does happen, are we ready for that as a church? Are you ready for that? Are you ready that if you can't have access to something online? Because, you know, online church was never what it was meant to be. The, the gathering was never meant to be this thing where, you know, we're, we're together even though you're in your home and I'm here. That's not together. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just isn't. It works for a time and it works for a season, but it's, it's not designed for that. It's not what Jesus started or planned. Think about this. It's like, uh, it's like taking your car uh, through, a, through a muddy field in the spring. Oh, you can drive it for a little while, but it's not designed for that. And pretty soon you're going to get stuck. And I I wonder sometimes, how do we as a church, as disciples of Jesus, how do we not lose sight of the light in the darkness and in the in the storm, uh, stormy circumstances of life? How do we how do we how do we continue to hear his voice uh, and not get lost in the fray of all the other voices? Today, I, I tried this thing where the, the, it was snowing and sort of like a little bit blizzardy. And so I thought, well, I wonder, what is, I wonder if I can just watch one snowflake and see where, see where it goes. Man, I tried that so many times, just watch and watch. And all of a sudden, there's another snowflake automatically takes your attention. This just kind of blurs in, blends in. I feel like that can happen so easily with God's voice in our lives. We, we hear something and then it's just automatically distracted and, and, and gone so, um, so quickly uh, in our lives. And so... I wonder how do we continue to hear? Because it's a great thought that we need to hear his voice, but how do we continue to hear? <laughs> you know, it, that distraction can happen to any of us. And maybe you don't think it can happen to pastors, you know, but it can. <laughs> they, they don't have this, you know, this direct, extra direct line to God where he's like, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk to those people, but man, we got like the, we'll push the button for, for Mark. We'll, we'll wake him up. We, we give him exactly everything every day. It, it's not like that. At our small group service this week, we were talking about hearing God's voice. And one of them had mentioned, I'm kind of surprised that Brenda hasn't heard an audible voice. You know, she's a pastor. And I was like looking over like, do you think I've heard the audible voice of God? And like the look of like, I want to say yes, for sure. But but he looks like he hasn't ever heard the audible. How has he never heard the audible voice? How is he a pastor and never heard the audible voice of God? I can see the mind spinning. You know, and I think that's the thing. I think that we can be so conditioned to think that everyone else hears the voice of God, but, but not us. You know, or we want it to be like the stories of the Old Testament where like, send me a fiery, like a burning bush and then I'll know, you know, or, or uh, an angelic visitation or a cloud that's golden or, or, or something where like a booming voice from above or, or send Jesus that I can see. And, and, you know, we think that that would be better. 
But as we talk about the Old Testament and where they heard the voice of God in those ways, where God interrupted their, their lives, that happened few and far between. You know, Moses maybe heard God's voice, you know, a dozen times. Abraham maybe half a dozen times. There, the, um, Gideon had this fleece and he heard God's voice, you know, three or four times in a lifetime. And God's design wasn't that you would just hear his voice every once in a while when he interrupted you, but that you would live in a walking, talking, that we would live in a walking, talking relationship with him. That Christianity wasn't just that what we, what we could get from God, salvation and whatever else. It wasn't about what we get from him. It was simply that we get him, that we get God. That's, that's where God said, I'm going to come to the planet and rescue so that they might have me that we can have this conversation. You know, so this week, I was just saying, I, I'm, I'm often prompted by that still small voice on the inside. I'll have a thought and I'm like, where did that thought come from? I, I, I don't know why I'm, I'm thinking about that person. I'm going to send them a text. Or as I was reading through the, the version, um, I do the, 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 the read through the New Testament, but I also do like the daily one that comes up every day. And June sends us the, the verses every day. And there's oftentimes a little... Um, uh, devotional that goes with it. And I was reading one this past week, and as I read it, I was like, man, I like, I want to read more about that. And, and, and so I, I clicked on it, and I ended up on this woman's devotional. And it's called Having a Merry Heart in a Martha World. And I don't know why it's a woman's devotional, because it, it actually matters for everyone. And I encourage all the men, go, go check this one out on version because it's worth it. I encourage the women as well. Uh, there's five short verses that are brought up in this story by the, it's not a story. It's, it's written by Luke, who was a, a first century historian and a doctor. He traveled with Paul. He saw the eyewitnesses. He wrote about this account that happened with Jesus. And these five short verses have the power to change your life and mine tonight. They really do. They really do. You know, there's the old proverb that says, give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. You know that this is one of those moments where something can happen that can change you for a lifetime. And the question tonight is, what's the one thing that we actually really need? What's the one thing in our lives that we actually really need? Luke chapter 10, verse 38, tells this account of Jesus visiting some people. And here's how it goes. It says this, now it happened that as they went, that he entered a certain village. He was, it's a real place. It's called Bethany. And then he, he met a certain woman, because Luke's talking about real people. Her name was Martha, and she welcomed Jesus into her home. And it says in verse 39, she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his, heard his word. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Can you just picture her? She's in the kitchen. She's like cooking for Jesus. And there's Mary sitting there on the ground doing nothing. Like, and she's not even supposed to be there. That's where the disciples are supposed to be. Like, I don't want to like center her out, but Jesus, would you just tell her to get back in the kitchen? And Jesus was a smart man. He did not tell her to get back in the kitchen. He said, he said to Mary, uh, he said to Martha, he answered, said, Martha, Martha, whoa, slow down. It's like, you're worried and you're troubled about many things. You're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. One thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. You know, Jesus' answer, it just reveals a lot about our posture towards life and our posture towards God. 
He, say, he says to Martha, he's like, Martha, here, let, me, let me describe you with a few words. You're, you're distracted. You're busy. You're worried. You're troubled about many things. And, and she's probably like, well, yeah, like I'm, but, but I'm doing this for you. Like thinking about being busy for Jesus. I'm making the meal for him, thinking that's what's most important to him. But he says, Martha, that's not what's most important. There's actually one thing that's needed. You know, I don't know about you, but I find myself sometimes in that place where I think I just got to do more for God. Like if I just did one more thing for him, and I'm like, you know, if, I, if, I, if there's any downtime, God, what do, I, what do I do for you? I read something interesting this week that just simply said that serving God will never burn out a pastor, but trying to fulfill men's expectations will. And I sometimes wonder if that's where I'm at sometimes, where it's, it's that well, I got to do more. I got to try and do, do a little bit more. It's not the voice of God prompting. It's like, what are the people going to think? And Martha falls into that category, and she's like, huh, busy, 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 busy. And Jesus is like, Martha, just slow down, because really there's only one thing that's needed, and Mary has chosen it. She didn't just end up there. She just didn't end up at, at Jesus' feet like a disciple, because that's what the disciples, that's, that's the idea that they sat there and they listened to his teaching and his word and his voice. He's like, Martha, Mary had a lot of choices, just like you, and she chose this one thing. She chose it. She chose to listen for my word. She chose to listen to my voice. And I, I've, you know, I've read this story many times, and I've always had this thought, well, Mary passed the test, and Martha failed the test, as if it was, if it was, if, if, as if it was a test. But then I realized, as I was you know, studying it more and reading through this the devotional, that Jesus didn't want them to just know his teaching. That's not why he was wanting Mary to be there. He wanted her to know him. Not just to know his words, not to know the sound of his voice, but to know him. And what I realized is after this, this conversation, Martha was listening as well. And we don't see it right away, but we see it later. Because John, who was an eyewitness of this next account, he writes about Martha and what happened when there was a tragedy in their home. When they went through some really, really difficult stuff. Their brother was named Lazarus, their younger brother. And here's Lazarus, who's super sick. And they look at him, and they're like, man, he's not going to make it. They're like, quick, send a message to Jesus. And they send a message to Jesus where he's at saying, Jesus, your dear friend is really sick. You know, like, come heal him or come say goodbye to him, but just get here as quickly as you can. It's interesting because John writes, though Jesus loved them, he stayed where he was for two more days. I'm like, that doesn't even make sense. If you love them, you're going to go. <laughs> but what I realized about Jesus, John writes about in John 5, 19, he's like, I only do what I see my father doing. He says in John 12, 49, I only say what I hear my father saying. Jesus is like, listen, I'm listening for, my, I'm listening for Heavenly Father's voice. Yes, I know that, like, I, I love these people and, I, and, and maybe I want to go, but I'm listening for what his direction in my life. And right now, fellas, it's we got to stay two extra days. And the disciples look at him thinking, man, you're crazy. He's like, you know what? God will be glorified. It doesn't matter. As long as we're obedient to him, he will be glorified. And, it, and as they wait there for two more days, Lazarus passes away. And then Jesus is like, you know what? Lazarus is sleeping. And they're like, oh, good. He's getting better. And like, no, guys, Lazarus is dead. And they're like, what? He's like, well, now we're going to go. And they're like, now? Like, now's a little late. And I think we would feel the same way. And as Jesus wakes, makes his way back to Bethany, Mary and, and Martha feel the same way too. They, they run out to him like, Jesus, like, 
You're even too late for the funeral. Like, we've buried him already. How come you didn't come a couple days ago when we called? How come you didn't come when we wanted you to, when we needed you to? How come you didn't come when we wanted? And I wonder, do you ever have that? You're like, God, how come you didn't talk when I wanted you to talk? How come you didn't answer my prayer when I wanted it answered? God, how come you didn't do what I wanted you to do when I wanted you to do it? God, what is going on? Have you ever been there? And I've been there. But John goes on to say this, John 11, verse 25. They, talk, uh, they go from that place, Martha and Jesus, to the, uh, to the tomb. And, and he says, you know, open it up. And Martha's like, uh, I don't know about that. This is verse 25. Sorry, Jesus told her. He says to, he says to Martha, and he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. When she's like, hey, how come you didn't come when we needed you? He's like, I'm the resurrection and the life. He says, anyone who believes, and that word believes, we've, we've often said that word is trust. Anyone who trusts in me will live even after they die. Verse 26, everyone who lives in me and believes or trusts in me will never, ever die. Do you trust this, Martha? Do you trust what I'm saying? Do you trust my words? And here's her response. She's like, yes, Lord. She told him, I've always believed. I've always trusted what? I've always trusted that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world from, from God. You know, I think about that. He's like, probably like, yeah, Martha, you know me. You know who I am. You realize who I am. And he's like, do you, do you trust me? Do you trust my word? Do you trust my voice? Do you trust my timing? And so then they head on over to the grave. I got a little ahead of myself. But they head over to the grave and Jesus says, open it up. And Martha's response, which was one of my favorite ones as a kid, because we had like the old King James Bible. It was like, no, Jesus, he's been in there four days. He stinketh. And we would laugh as kids. But that was the truth. This man was dead for four days. This was not some magic trick that was about to happen. And Martha's like, no, no, don't, don't do this. Don't do this, Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Verse 40, Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you'd see God's glory if you believe? <laughs> you know me, Martha. You truly know me. If you trust me, you'll see his glory. And says, so they rolled the stone aside. And then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me, but I'm saying this out loud for the sake of all these people standing here. Why? So that they will believe, so that they will trust. He's like, God, I'm pointing to you because what's about to happen, I want them to see that it's you, that it's you who sent me, that's you who's given the power to do this. In verse 43, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Unwrap him and let him go. You know, Martha is saying, Martha, you, you know me. You can trust my voice. I think the same is for us. We need, we need to hear his voice. We need to know his voice. We need to know him. And there's things that try to hinder that in our lives. They, they, they will come up time and time again. Sometimes it's busyness. And from some of you, you're like, well, we're going to stay at home in a lockdown. And, and I hear people say, well, I just, I'm just trying to stay busy. I'm just trying to stay busy. I think trying to stay busy is a very North American thing that we do. And oftentimes, it can, we can get ourselves so busy that we miss those moments of listening. You know, sometimes it's boredom. It's like there's nothing to do. So we just Netflix our life away. And we have that opportunity to hear them. Sometimes it's distraction, you know, it's going through the news or the fake news or trying to sort it out, Facebook or Facebook. And you're like, I don't know what's, I don't know what's what anymore. And you just get, so, I get in those cycles sometimes. 
And sometimes it's the trials and tragedies of life that just, that just hinder you from being able to hear his voice. I, I want to leave you with a quick story. It's a story of a guy named Georg Neumark. Georg Neumark. Um, he's German, and that quote is in German. So for all our German friends, I hope that says something appropriate. But Georg was born in Germany in 1621. He actually lived during the 30-year war, which was a, a, a war in Germany and spread out to a couple other European countries. And it was one of the worst famines that happened during that war. The worst plagues, the greatest medical c- catastrophes in modern European history happened in that war. Over 8 million uh, deaths in Germany as a result. In some places, close to 60% of their population died in that war. And this is what he was born into. And Georg, he scrimped and saved uh, enough money over 20 years that he was able to go to university. And so he was on his way to university. And on the way there, he was beaten and he was robbed of all of his possessions except for a little bit of money that he had sewed into his clothes and his little prayer book. That's all he was left with. And for two years, he was away from home, couldn't get home, couldn't get anywhere. For two years, he kept trying to find work. And he could never find work. He found people's kindness, but never found a job. And then finally, he gets the opportunity to be a tutor. And it was like, he just thought, man, God, this is like, I ended up, and he had left in different towns. He's like, I ended up in the right place. God, you've been faithful. You've been faithful. And he began to uh, work there. And after a number of years, it saved up enough money to go back to university. And so he did. He spent five years in university, got out, had, uh, had a career, and he was able to start, you know, fending for himself and taking care of himself and acquiring things. And then he had a fire and lost it all again. And this Georg was a a singer, a songwriter, and he would write these songs, and he wrote 34 of them that were sung by by others. One of them them specifically has lasted through the last few hundred years. And it's because that despite his personal suffering, he would write about his absolute trust in God. That it didn't matter what was happening, he knew he could trust. You know, in May, my children learned this hymn. They learned it in its English translation, which is still a little even difficult to understand. But I'd like to read you some of the lyrics. You can go home and find the rest. Uh, it's, it's called, If Thou But Suffer God to Guide Thee. If Thou But Suffer God to Guide Thee. It's how he starts. If thou or if you would allow God to guide you. And I'm translating a little bit here. It says, and hope in him with all your ways. He'll give you strength, whatever comes across your path. And he'll bear you through the evil days. Who trusts in God's unchanging love? Well, they build on a rock that can't be moved. We sang those words tonight, probably inspired by this. I will build my life upon your love. It's a firm foundation. Georg knew those words 400 years ago. Verse 2, he says, what can these anxious cares avail? These never ceasing moans and sighs, what can it help? You know, if we bewail every dark moment as it flies by in our lives, our cross and trials do not press the heavier for our bitterness. It doesn't, they don't make it, our, our whining and complaining don't make these things any better. And he says, here's what he says, only be still and wait for his leisure, wait for his joy and cheerful hope with a content heart. Take whatever thy father's pleasure and the all discerning love has sent. Don't doubt or no doubt our inmost wants are known to him. He already knows, and he has chose us for his own. He has three more verses, but he finishes with this one. He says, so sing and pray and keep his ways unswerving. So do thine own part faithfully. 
Sing, pray, keep his ways unswerving. Do thine own part faithfully and trust his word. Though undeserving, you yet shall find it true for you. God never yet forsook at need the soul that trusted him indeed. God never yet forsook at need the soul that trusted him indeed. He's like, do your own part. You know, when the struggles come, when there's difficult things that you go through life, Gayog's advice was this. Trust his word, trust his voice, know that he is trustworthy. You know, to do thine own part, like Mary and Martha choosing that one thing. It's like us saying, you know what, God, I'm going to choose to tune the radio on. I'm going to choose to to put myself in a place where I'm listening for your voice, that I'm tuned into the right channel, that I'm, I'm listening for your words, for your teaching. God, that I'm choosing to know you. And know your word so that I might better know you. And maybe for you, you're like, well, how do I do that? Maybe for you, it's joining us on the New Testament uh, journey through the Bible. Where you're just like, I'm going to read every day so that I'm putting his words in here. So I know what he sounds like. So when I feel the promptings, I know that it's him being in a position to listen. I just want to close with this thought. Do you, do you ever feel the longing on the inside for truth in days like today? Do you ever feel like there's a longing for, for, for his word or for God or just to know him or to know that he exists or to know his thoughts for you? That longing has been in us since we were created and many people write about it. You know, David, the psalmist, he wrote in Psalm 63, he, he's in the desert. He's like in a dry and weary land. He says, my heart and my, my flesh long for, and you'd think he'd say water, but he doesn't. He's like, God, they long for you. They long for for you. Paul wrote to the Philippians, he says, I count everything as lost that I might know him. Nothing else matters if I can just know God. And what about you? You feel that longing on the inside. Maybe you have that longing on the inside just for life to make sense. Like, I don't even know if it's God, but I want so, there's something missing on the inside. Maybe you're not exactly sure what it is that's missing, but something's missing. You know, C.S. Lewis said it this way. He says, if I find in myself desires or those longings, which nothing in this world can satisfy. It's like there's this emptiness I've tried to fill with everything. He says, if none of it satisfies, then the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. That there's something outside of this world that's the only thing that can fill that void. Blaise Pascal, a genius of a, of, a, of a young man, said it this way. He's, he's described it as a God-shaped vacuum or hole in the heart of each man, which can't be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. It was that same Jesus who prayed in the garden for us, and he prayed in John 17, verse 3. He says, this is the way to eternal life. This is the way to have eternal life. What is it? To know him. To know God, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. He says, this is the way. You want eternal life. It's not saying a prayer. It's not going up for an altar call. It's not, you know, just making a decision. It's knowing God. It's knowing God. Man, it matters. Man, it matters. He's not calling you to follow a religion or set of rules. Jesus always said, come to me. Come to relationship with me. He's not looking for servants or more slaves. He's looking for a childlike relationship with a heavenly father. He's not looking for what you can do for him or how busy you can be for him. He's just looking for you. He's just looking for me. So my encouragement and my challenge to us is that we would take some time to just slow down and say, God, (laughs) I'm choosing. I'm choosing right now, right here, to listen for you. 
I'm choosing to read your word that you might speak to me. I'm choosing to follow your promptings. I'm choosing God. I'm choosing you as you've chosen me. Because it is truly the one thing that we need. The one thing that we need. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you for choosing us. For coming to this planet when it was a wreck. For laying down your life in our place to rescue us. From the traps that we'd set for ourselves. For the things we got ourselves tangled up in. God, thanks for setting us free. Thanks for making us new creatures in you. Jesus, thank you that we are righteous in you. Thank you that we can be called your children and we can call you Father. So we call out to you tonight, Father. Would you help us? Would you help every person right here, right now, whose heart is open to you, wanting to hear your voice, wanting to know your voice and know your truth for their lives? God, would you lead us this week? Would you direct us? Would you guide us through our thoughts and through the promptings of your spirit? Would you guide us through your word and help us to recognize when you're speaking to us, when you're prompting things in our lives that you desire to do in and through us? God, may you receive glory and may people see your glory as a result. Thank you, Jesus, for changing us and for continuing to change us for the gift of eternity that we have with you. Thank you for all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us. Just And, you know, I think it's, like I said, more important that you just find a way to spend some time um, with him. And we, we often ask you to consider some discussion questions. Maybe you're going to get on the phone with somebody and, and uh, talk to them. Maybe you're going to, you know, text them first or whatever. Uh, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, the questions for tonight is just simply this. What jumped out from today's talk for you? What jumped out to you from today's talk? Because oftentimes those are the promptings that Holy Spirit wants to do something more in your life. I remember last week as Brenda was talking when she said, uh, you know, we've often think about what we've lost when Adam and Eve sinned, but did we ever consider what he lost? You know, that he lost that relationship with man that we have the opportunity to choose once again. It, it moved me. You know, do you... Um, do you think that you're more like Mary or more like Martha in that scene and, and why? Just consider how you live your life. Are you more like Mary? Just, man, I just got to just want to know you and listen to you. Or like, oh, I got to be busy, busy, busy for him. And why? And then third, these two questions, I, you know, I just feel had to ask them in, in prepping disciples of Christ that can function regardless of what happens in our country. What would you do? What would you do if you were no longer allowed to attend church or watch online? What would you do if all of that was stripped away? Would your Christianity survive? Would your relationship with Christ survive? What would you do? And the second thought is this. What could you do now to prepare your heart and life in case that ever were to happen? What could you do now? Man, maybe it's memorizing scripture. Maybe it's just getting used to hearing his voice. Maybe it's setting a different routine in your life so that, you know, you're, maybe it's finding other people to gather with that you're like, hey, we are going to be the church. What, what is it? And then finally, this question is for this, the Saturday nighters. What are we going to call this talk? <laughs> I look forward to seeing the results. Hopefully you guys have a fantastic week. Hope to see some of you at the at small group services this week, wherever. And until we meet again, just know that I love you and we'll chat soon.